This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, Matt Straub welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 29th. The NBA Finals are set. Lakers and, as expected, the Miami Heat. Heat Lakers coming up starting this week. Before that, we're going to get into a bit of a post-mortem on the two teams that were just eliminated, the Celtics and the Nuggets. Before we do that, though, I'm going to welcome in my co-host, Steve Alexander. Steve, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We made it home from Orlando in one piece, safely. A uh, little rough, though, Matt. There's a lot of people who drive cars who, who have no idea what they're doing. And uh, the people that bother me the most with their driving or lack lack thereof driving skills are the people who camp out in the left lane and, and go like 65 miles an hour. Left right. lane's a passing lane, man. You can get out of the yeah. way. The one that really gets me is when you're in the left lane someone comes barreling up behind you you get out of the way and then they slow down (laughs) or like start going the exact same speed as you the fluctuation of speeds like bulldozing in the left lane to get you out of the way and then they slow down to your speed right after that yeah the other one is the you know people in the left and right lane driving the exact same speed trapping all the wall everybody else behind them the wall formation, yeah. It, when you're like you're trying to break through this this wall of cars for like thirty minutes, you finally get an opening. It's just such a great feeling. I made a I made a few power moves uh, on the way home where I, you know, got all the way over to the right and f- lit it up and then passed everybody and then got back to the left. Like you got You got to be aggressive uh, because sitting in a line of traffic where everybody's bunched up together. Is, it's dangerous man i don't like it dangerous it is funny though because sometimes you do that you like engineer this whole series of moves right you're like you have it all mapped out and you're so proud of yourself that you did it and and in reality you probably saved yourself 90 seconds with that <laughs> well it was funny because one of the one of the big power moves i made where i probably passed you know 40 cars in, in a very short amount of time uh oh that is a power move the next exit was coming up and I was like, oh, we need gas. And she's like, you're really <laughs> going to get off the interstate after you just made that sweet move? And I was like, you're right. We're, we can wait till the light comes on. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, you can't do that. Although part of the purpose of doing it is just to say you did it, right? So it would have been okay if you got off and got gas. <laughs> it would have been okay, but I, I, I really couldn't. Well, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Since we last spoke, Steve, the... Celtics and the Nuggets, as I'm sure you know, have been eliminated. I thought we would talk about a couple players from each team and just kind of do a post-mortem on their playoffs, on their season, look ahead to their uh, outlook moving forward in fantasy leagues and just in life, in basketball. <laughs> uh, and I want to start with the news that Jeremy Grant is opting out. This is according to Mike Singer of the Denver Post. 
Now, if he leaves town as a free agent, there is word that he wants to return to Denver. But let's say hypothetically he leaves as a free agent. This is potentially very intriguing news for one Michael Porter Jr. Now, remember, Steve, as I'm sure you'll never forget, Michael Porter Jr. was outrageously hot before the playoffs started. The last six games of the restart, he averaged 23.8 points, 9.8 rebounds, 1.2 steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.83 pointers, showcasing his ridiculous fantasy potential. But in the playoffs, he was a lot more inconsistent, averaged just 11.5 points, 6.7 boards, not much defensive stats, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.83s in 24 minutes a night. So Steve, I will ask you, did that playoff performance cool off your interest in Michael Porter Jr. heading into next season? I know you're you're a person of the moment when it comes to fantasy hoops, or are you every bit as excited as you were in early August about Michael Porter Jr.? I am just as excited now as I was in August. I'm glad to hear it. Love him. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant goes, if he goes away, uh, that leaves Paul Millsap. Let's, how old is Paul Millsap, Matt? Are you asking me or am I asking you? I'll I'll be asking the questions here. Oh, <laughs> I wait. I think Paul Millsap's. I think Paul Millsap's thirty-four. I was gonna say thirty-five. I'm typing. I'm looking. He's gonna be. Oh, Steve, a winner. He is gonna be. So next, you know, next season at some point he's gonna be thirty-six. That's like, accurate. Like he is. That is ancient in terms of NBA age. So Mike Porter Jr. is the future of the Nuggets. And I, I don't know. I think MPJ is going to be one of those guys where in some drafts he could go really, really early, like fourth or fourth round. And other drafts yeah. I could see him going in like the sixth or seventh round. I think it all depends on who you're drafting with and, and you know what the people you're drafting with think of him. But I mean, I, I love him. I think I'm going to be drafting him. I'll probably be reaching for him this year. I don't think I would take him in the fourth round, but I understand why people would. And I think if he's somehow you know moving into the sixth, seventh rounds, it's going to pay off spectacularly. As for Paul Millsap, I'm old enough to remember when he was the best player on a 60-win Hawks team, Steve. Yeah. Seems like was- a long time ago. That was a minute ago, and, uh, you know, I, li- I like Paul Millsap, though, man. He's a good player. He he was one of those guys that was with the Jazz, like, he was not featured with them. And it, it took him moving to Atlanta, I think, to finally blow up. And he's had a great NBA career, and he's still going to be a solid role player. But it's time to unleash MPJ. Paul Millsap's four years in Atlanta, 17.4 points, 8.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.7 steals, 1.2 blocks, 1.03 pointers. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I liked watching him shoot three-pointers because, you know, back then, big guys were not the three-point specialists that we see today. Today's game is totally different, you know, than Millsap's time in Atlanta. So he was he was one of the, in my opinion, he's like one of the first, like, true big power forward guys to uh, consistently hit threes. I also think Paul Millsap squeezed every ounce of basketball production and put it onto the court. Like that I feel like that guy absolutely maximized how good he could be. You know, he wasn't he's not like an incredible above the rim athlete or anything like that. You know, he wasn't an amazing shooter. He wasn't really amazing at anything other than rebounding and he just absolutely got the most out of I guess 
I do remember Mike Budenholzer saying Paul Millsap's hands were incredible defensively. Uh, so I guess that maybe was his number one thing. But bottom line, he, he got the most out of what he had. Yep. And we're saying this like he retired, but uh, he didn't. So let's move on to Jamal Murray, Steve, a name we have talked about a lot. But uh, now that his season is finally over, I wanted to look at the whole thing at large. In 19 playoff games this year, he averaged 26.5 points, 4.8 boards, 6.6 assists, 0.9 steals, 3.33 pointers, 50.5% from the field in 40 minutes per game. Essentially across the board, those numbers are significantly better than his season stats. He averaged eight more points per game in the playoffs in the regular season. Rebounds were up. Assists were up by almost two per game. Threes were up from 1.9 to 3.3. His field goal percentage went up five points in the playoffs. And with that last thing especially, Steve, I feel like there is a component of this where Murray just got extraordinarily hot as a shooter. You know, a career 43.9% shooter shot over 50% in the bubble. And I believe he's on the ascent. I've said a few times I believe he's still can break through into the low 20s in scoring next year. When you look at the whole thing for Murray, where do you land? Are you closer to 20 points per game or, you know, the 26 and a half point per game score we saw in the postseason? Uh, I feel like he's probably going to average around 22 points this season. And not only were his numbers ridiculous in the bubble and the, and the playoffs, but no NBA player had more highlight real moments in the bubble than Jamal Murray. I mean, the offhand and the scoop and the, like, mm-hmm. like he was just, he was awesome to watch. He, he was awesome. That up and under reverse, the 360 layup. I'm trying to think if I saw him dunk in the playoffs. Do you I don't know if he dunked. Maybe once. Maybe yeah, once. I'm just, I'm just Googling Jamal Murray. Oh, <laughs> I'm just Googling Jamal Murray dunk and, Oh, yeah. So I am seeing that he, it appears he dunked in a 37-point loss to the Jazz on August 21st. So <laughs> we, we have but one confirmed. Well, wait, throws it down maybe September 13th. I don't know. I, th- I think we've got, we've got multiple, multiple instances of dunks. The point is a lot of great layups, a lot of great highlights, spectacularly fun to watch. So we are, I think to sum up, it sounds like we are both believers in the Jamal Murray improvement, but not believing quite in the playoff numbers repeating next year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've I've always been a Jamal Murray fan. I will happily draft him again this season, where that will be. What, what do you think, Matt? Do you think he's a, I mean, has he solidified himself as a fourth round player now? I was thinking about the 40 range. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Almost exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. I mean, if you're facing, let's say, let's say hypothetically you're debating a choice between Jamal Murray and Zach Levine in a fantasy draft, just to throw a an either-or at you. I know where I land on this one, and it's it's a no-doubter for me, but maybe it shouldn't be a no-doubter. Between those two, which would you take first? I think you're taking Zach Levine all day. That's correct. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's closer than, than you might think it is. I, I'm leaning towards Levine, but if I already had a shooting guard... I might take Murray. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the thing with Levine for me is we've already seen that season from him. He did this past season. He scored 25.5 points per game, you know, which is what you'd be hoping for from Murray in a best case scenario. So I I just think Levine 
has the higher ceiling. Although it's you know it crept closer with that playoff performance from Murray, no question. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's funny because when Murray had that first big breakout, you know we talked about it. Is it swaying you? And I think the the consensus was no, it's not swaying us. And then it it just kept going and going, and then you know now the consensus is yeah, it kind of swayed us. Like I'm more into Jamal Murray now than than I was before the bubble. Yeah, and I think you got swayed. At one point, you were fully swayed, weren't you? And then you were kind of unswayed, and now you're re-swayed, I think is how I would put it. So I we have end the, we all end, the swades. We end the playoffs mostly swayed, S-W-A-Y-E-D, about Jamal Murray's performance. Let's hit the Celtics, Steve, as their season concludes as well. We talked about Jason Tatum a handful of times during the playoffs, but he's another player I wanted to put kind of a final point on his season now that it's over. For the playoffs... 25.7 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.0 steals, 1.2 blocks, 2.83 pointers. He's 22 years old. I think I'll ask you this. Off the top of your head, who are you taking before him in a season-long 8 or 9 category fantasy league? Because, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an increasingly short list for me. Well, I don't have I, – I was not prepared for that question. I don't have it laid out in front of me. I mean, the names that come to mind are Giannis – for me, Luca, Jimmy Harden, Anthony Davis, and is that that's probably the list. Maybe Steph Curry. Steph Curry Lillard. Lillard's in there, right. KD. KD was on my list as I can't really rule him out as someone I would consider in the first half of the first round. Yeah. Did you mention Carl Anthony Towns? And by the way, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. You're right. I did not warn you that question was coming. Oh, it's all good, dude. But yeah, I mean, I think the point is I think you could argue for taking him as early as fourth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Harden, Anthony Davis, I don't know that there's an obvious third person to take. You know, I I, I really like Lillard. I think Luka should be a first-rounder. As you said, Kevin Durant's in the conversation. All these names we mentioned, but there's a very obvious, clear case for taking Tatum in the first half of the first round. And I think if you somehow get him in, you know, Jokic, again, another name who should be mentioned— we're not going to mention every single name who would go in the first round. The point is, if you somehow can get Tatum in the second half of the first round, I'm loving that. You know, if you're like eight or nine, which is kind of a wasteland sometimes in a fantasy league, and you can get Tatum there, I think that's pretty spectacular. Again, 22 years old, and we've just seen him put up numbers that are kind of Kevin Durant light, and he's still ascending. And that's what I was. That's what I was going to say. You you already said it. If you can get the eighth pick. In your draft this year, that might be, that might be the place to be because you can get a Luca or a Tatum at eight, and then turn around on the way back get another good pick. I think I'd rather be at the back end of drafts this year than than have the the first or second pick. I do think the re- and and the return to health. Don't underestimate how much the return to health of Curry and Durant would mean. You know, those are two dominant guys with top three really number one overall potential of course they're in their 30s now so maybe you you hedge your bets a little bit but the point is adding those two names back in really makes the first round a lot more intriguing and at this point i think i would take tatum over kd yeah i mean tatum is 22 durant's 31 and obviously coming off the achilles which is scary plus he plays for brooklyn and we don't know how that's gonna go right so that's I, a tough one. I, yeah, I think I think I would take Tatum over KD right now. 
Tatum is safer. Dude, Tatum and Luca are going to be running the league for the next 15 years, and I'm super psyched about it. You pronounced Trey Young wrong there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, one more Celtic before we get out of here. Jalen Brown, again, we mentioned him a couple weeks ago, relatively recently on the show, but I want to take the full snapshot of his postseason. He finished at 21.8 points per game, 7.5 boards, 2.3 dimes, 1.5 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.5 threes, great percentages, nearly 48 from the field, 84 from the line. Steve, he also finished up really strong. He scored 20 or more points in eight of his last nine playoff games, putting up 24.2 points, 8.1 boards, 2.0 steals, 2.8 threes during that stretch in 42 minutes per game. We both like Jalen Brown. Has anything changed for you with his monstrous finish to the playoffs? Well, I thought he was going to be really overshadowed by Tatum. And I think he has kind of been throughout his career, but man, he's a really important piece of what what the Celtics do. And I feel like he really came alive from almost a basketball and a social angle in the bubble. And he really just had an incredible trip to Orlando. So I, I, I'm a big Jalen Brown fan, and I think he's going to be one of those guys where if you can get him in the fifth or sixth round, you might you might get yourself a steal. I agree with that. We're talking about a guy. We talk a lot about players, the kind of trajectory they they could be on. So when he came into the league, he averaged six point six points per game his first year. That went up to fourteen and a half his second year, down to thirteen his third year last season. So that was a letdown. But then his scoring spiked all the way to twenty point three this past year. So it went up. His, his points went up seven point three points per game. His rebounds went up, his assists went up, his steals went up, his threes went way up, three-point percentage way up. Everything went up this past season, including his minutes. So, again, he's still 23 years old. It does feel like a player who, if you take him in like the fifth or sixth round, like you said, has the potential to make a run at the top 35 or something like that. Yeah. So to bring things full circle here, if you're faced with a Michael Porter Jr. or Jalen Brown decision in a fantasy draft. Which way are you going? I think I'm. I think I'm going to go with Jalen Brown just because I know I know what I'm going to get. Uh, yeah, I'm with you too. I think I'll have Jalen Brown higher on my draft rankings as well. But they're going to be close. Yeah, and and obviously that could change a lot uh, as the season gets closer. Whenever the season may be, that about does it for us today. We will be back on Friday to talk NBA Finals and the latest NBA news. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. Thanks to all of you for listening. Steve, thank you for taking the time. We will talk to you soon. All right. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.